many of us in the church realize how poorly we've handled the sexuality Absolutely. issue. Absolutely. And so as sexuality has moved through our culture and the changes that have happened since 1970, mm -hmm. we've realized ways we've been way too truthful and not gracious enough. I totally agree. So that when the transgender conversation applies, I think a lot of Christians are at a point where they're like, we, already, we have nothing we can contribute to this. We know we botched this, so yeah. we're just silent. And I think our culture has taken advantage of that. And so now a movement is underfoot where people want to be both gracious and truthful and just downright common just sense. Just common sense. About this. Hey, welcome back to Real Talk. Thanks for hanging out with us. He's Joe. I'm Brad. You ready? Always got, ready. You got your cookies? I am not eating cookies today. Great. I'm on a cookie-free diet. Okay, great. So right into it. You ready? There's a lot going on in culture right now that is scaring Christians. Scaring, probably more than Christians. More than Christians, okay. scaring lots of people. But we can talk about sort of from a Christian standpoint, you know, our kind of view, talking to the family of God, like, okay, why are Christians so worried about, or why do Christians care so much about issues around gender? Do that every time. I could say anything. I could be like, we're gonna talk about our favorite kind of food, and you would roll your eyes at me and you make this face like, I don't wanna do it. It's what we're doing. Yes, sir. I shall do whatever you say. Just the people might not know that I'm usually caught off guard yes. every time. Yes. Therefore, we're gonna why frame the question again. Okay. We're gonna talk about why Why do Christians mm -hmm. care so much about this topic of gender? Oh, that's a good this it's actually right. a super simple question. Oh great. The the question of gender. Yeah. It is flying around. It's everywhere. And I think everyone should be concerned, but there's a particular reason why Christians are concerned. Yes. It's how I'd push it back to you. Yep, and we're gonna get to, to that reason. I think like sort of setting this up, we we could spend a half hour talking about um, terminology, right? Oh, so it's like making sure we're on the same page. We're not going to no. because honestly, a lot of the terminology changes like week to week. It would be obsolete by the time we what this thing got released, right? So it's like a couple of just basic things, though. There is a big conflation, a sort of of terms. Um, conflation. Did you Please, like that? Can we put a definition of conflation? Oh, because there is an amalgamation of oh, terms that are going on. Right now. Let's see what else. So science would say that in the animal kingdom, there are three options for biological sex. There's okay. male, there's female, there's intersex. Okay? Yes. Got it. We have used that category and we've used gender, and those can be two different things in, in our ways. culture. Can we, is it, if, am I hearing you correctly? It's like, are, are we talking how we name things or versus the biology or the science of things versus yes. the yes. non-scientific part of it. But in the current cultural climate, we've put those two together. Yes, we've amag amag amalgamated. <laughs> we've conflated them. <laughs> yeah, so we sandwiched together two different topics. Yes. And that's is that part of what the confusion is? I think that's part of what the confusion oh. is. So what, what becomes the argument is that gender is not related to biology, but that it's something different. Oh, separate. Yeah. So that is that how the com is that the current conversation is yes. trying to um, justify or help the because we've 
we're, we're, we haven't separated the two or because we have, we've made them together. So that's why it's confusing. Yeah. So I think a lot of people so right now I might be a little confused. I, this is taking us longer to define two quick terms. I wanted it to be really fast and it's taking a long time. Uh, a lot of people right now are saying that gender is a social construct. Got it. Okay. And what I'm saying is we'll, we'll get to whether it is or not. Sex is not a social construct. Correct. That is a biological fact. Yes. Right. So if we did so a we, DNA test mm -hmm. or we mm -hmm. looked at biology. Mm -hmm. In the entire animal kingdom. Yes. Male, female, and intersex. Yes. Got it? Yep. Okay. I think I got it. Whew. Should we start over <laughs> and do that a lot faster? <laughs> we shouldn't look at the dinosaur. Is <laughs> it, see what the dinosaur has going on there? It's probably not what you were hoping. Maybe they'll edit that out. I'm or guessing. maybe not. So those, that's what I wanted to define term-wise, right? Because again, there's so many terms out there. But it is important that we define those two terms. And maybe we'll talk about whether, whether gender is a social construct or not. But biologically, there is male, female, intersex. Do, can you give Good. me a little bit on that intersex? Is that like <laughs> asexual or is it another way of... It could be a couple different things. I think in human beings, there are a very small percentage of yes. people that are born um, sexually ambiguous, yep. right? Or it's it's more complicated than, you know, some people will kind of crudely say like, well, which parts do you have? You yes. know, well, it's more complicated yes. than that for a very sm small percentage of yeah. people, but it does, you know... That does exist. And, it, and maybe, I'm not sure fully where you're going with this, maybe worth stating because that is true among a very small percentage of people. We're, we're talking about fractions yep. of percentages. Yep. That has created an inroad mm -hmm. for something else to take place, which I think has been blown way out of proportion, right? There's a, right. There's a tiny little... And to those people, it's a super important, right? So I don't of want course. to minimize. No, no, and, and, and those are real people. Yes, and, and we care greatly Suffering about. through that and trying to figure out. Yep. But people have said, what about this? And that is a very small percentage. Yeah. yeah. But like tiny, tiny. Yeah. Okay. So let's go back to the original question. And we say, well, why do Christians care so much about gender? And so... I wanted to define those terms because sex or gender changes how you would answer that question, mm -hmm. right? I mean, even in our current climate, gender, how many genders are there? It depends on who you ask. Mm -hmm. I mean, some people will say, you know, I've seen 15 and 16. I've seen other people say that there's 80 to 100. Wow. Okay, so lots of genders, mm -hmm. but science only acknowledges three sexes mm -hmm. and predominantly two sexes, male yep. and female. Yeah, that tiny fraction versus yeah. male, female. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So why is this important? So why is this so important? I mean, at the highest, most important level, like you and I and our female friends and our friends that have been created maybe even with this really difficult asexual or, you know, where, where biology is really messed up. And because we're all created in the image of God. Like I exist for God. Yeah. So it's like at the end of the day, this isn't even my conversation. Mm-hmm. This is a conversation about how was I created and who created me. And anytime I try to change that or change that conversation or there's confusion on that conversation or we're applying whatever our thinking to God, like God says and we respond, but we've made it. We decide and God answers to us. Yeah. 
So why do I care about this conversation and every conversation is because I want to know, as in someone created in the image of God who was made to honor God, I want to know what God says. Mm-hmm. And what God says becomes then what I have to, how I have to live? Right. I don't know. Is that yeah. how you frame it? So, I mean, so would you say then, like, maybe oversimplify, but Genesis 1, God yeah. made male and female. Yeah. In his image, he made them, he made the male and female. Yeah. And I probably, I would maybe even go to, a, that's a, sort of towards the end of Genesis 1. Mm-hmm. But the thing that's kind of fun is to actually go above, like before that, and yeah. see, like, he makes all of these species of animals in their kind. And one of the refrains that happens over and over in Genesis 1 is, he makes them in their kind. He makes them in their kind. And then he gets to sort of the what we would understand theologically as the pinnacle of his creation, mm-hmm. makes male and female in their kind, just like he made giraffes in their kind. And, you know, hippopotamuses. Okay, t- tell me why you're, you're, why you're surfacing that. Because, um, because in their be- kind would just would be human beings. Yep. So regardless of what gender I might claim, I'm still mm-hmm. under that category of human beings. So tell me why you're surfacing that. Um, I, I think it's easy for us as humans to think only about us as a created beings. Okay. Instead of realizing, no, there's lots of created beings. Got it. God created the angelic realm, and he created the animal kingdom, and he created humans. Right? Okay. And so we can look at all these other categories of creation and go, okay, what can we learn? And so sort of to your point earlier, where it's like in the animal kingdom, which I think, are we technically a part of or are we not? <laughs> I'm not really that smart. It's like We're not we're, just technically a part of, we're actively a part of. Yes. <laughs> we are animals? Do we get to find we are? Yes. Okay, so among <laughs> us animals, yeah, there's two genders primarily. And yes, there is this other category, but that's the vast... Right. Whatever the percentage is, two categories right. that God created. And I would add, there's a part of this whole species thing, maybe higher than even gender. It's like never in the created realm do species mix. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's like, maybe this is a really wild tributary, but it's like lions don't interact really nicely and reproductively and socially with, I don't know, cats. No, other... (laughs) (laughs) Maybe we should do another illustration. Maybe we should start over. (laughs) Lions are lions cats? Lions actually do interact with cats, believe it or not. Species don't interact, don't mate, don't inter with other species and don't create. It's like, yeah. again, there's some aberrations on that. But in the, in, the, in, the, in the realm of it's like humans procreating with lions, like, no, that doesn't work. Just like, you know, birds and elephants. Yeah. It's like species stay within their kinds and they relate within their kinds and they procreate within their kinds. And all of that is God's design. And so when we get to the realm of humanity, he creates two gender in his image and creates us to interact in a very unique way. Mm-hmm. And it seems like in our culture today, we're messing with that. Mm-hmm. That's why it bugs me is like mm-hmm. God made something within sort of an orderly way. Yeah. And we're trying to say that his order doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. I mean, you're talking, I like you're talking at the highest Super level of creation. High. Yeah, it's good. But you 
it's helpful to back up to that level. And and I, I want to say just because you, you sort of went into the territory of procreation and things, in our conversation today, we're not talking about sexuality in no. terms of no. orientation, right? We're talking about gender and, yep. and sex that way, not sexuality. The, yes, no. Not yeah. reproduction and yeah. not sexual feelings yeah. and not a, like yeah. any of that. Because that's like, for another that's conversation. That's actually a separate conversation. We'll have, yeah. But okay. this is more like at the just basic level of interaction. Yeah. You know, God, how God designed the universe and the order that he's put into the universe. Mm -hmm. It's hard to go against it mm -hmm. and think there's not going to be questions, confusion, pain, yeah. struggle, heartache, all of that. So let's drill into humanity for a minute. And I think we would both acknowledge this conversation is more complicated than mm -hmm. anyone wants to make it. It's, you know what I mean? In some ways people go, oh, it's super easy actually. It's, it's really complicated because people are involved and there's actually some pretty serious theology involved in this and biology and yeah. psychology. So let's, let's zoom in sort of on, on human beings. Um, you know, one of the things the Bible teaches is that we are, we are body and spirit, or body, soul, and spirit, mm -hmm. depending on how you view it. But that we are composite beings, we are made up of multiple things, but mm -hmm. within those multiple things, or part of those multiple things, is that we are also one, right? Yes. Like, like, I am one. We're my not body disintegrated. And, yes, my body, my soul, my spirit are intended to be one. Mm -hmm. And one of the big conversations around gender is my biology doesn't match my psychology. Mm. And so there's there's a big debate about well which one wins and some people would say my psychology wins this is what I think this is what I feel therefore this is who I am other people would argue no your biology wins because these are the parts that you have so this is it's it's complicated yes yeah and I, I would I would add that's part of why even as followers of Christ this is a hard conversation because I know watching us right now and listening to this conversation are people that are struggling with this, and they're real people. Yes. Right? And so it's like we care greatly about the theology of this. We care about the psychology of this, the intersection of how this interacts with all. But it's one of the reasons why nobody wants to have this kind of conversation right. is because it's way too volatile right. and in some ways way too complex. But a disintegrated being is not God's design, mm -hmm. meaning that, that, that this piece and this piece don't relate. And I, and I would even back up even further. And I know good. I wind up backing up no, too far. Good. But like God's design is that someone who is created male, their biology and their psychology are all connected and integrated fully. God's design is that a female created, so he's created two genders, and that the complete integration of those two genders down to every piece and fiber, that's God's design. The reason we don't experience that or don't know that to be true is because of sin in this world. Mm -hmm. And so the people out there who are struggling with some of this psychologically and or the people that are dealing with it physically where someone is born with you know, basically two sets of genitalia mm -hmm. or their physical bodies, that is all the result of the sin that has entered our world. Not to that individual Not their, person, yeah, yeah. but the, the effect collective uh -huh. effect yeah. sort of universally of sin. Yeah. So God's original design is every male that he's made is fully integrated male. 
and every female that he's made is fully integrated female. That does not mean that some of our cultural constructs of what it means to be male is God's design or what we right. put on what is female. That's not what I'm talking about. Right. But what it is to be intrinsically male, complete and integrated, and what it means to be intrinsically female, complete and integrated, without the social constructs, is God's good design. And anything less than that is the result of sin in our generic world mm -hmm. that's causing this confusion and even some of the biological problems that happen, psychological problems that are happening. And now we're trying to figure out and sort it through mm -hmm. as humans to try to decide and understand how do we deal in some ways with all this confusion and brokenness because his design has been so thoroughly marred. Mm -hmm. That's why Christians care about this conversation. Yeah, yeah. And, and let me just make it even more complicated is that part of the psychological and cultural problem that we've, we've added, the fuel we've added to the fire, is that God did design male and female to be fully integrated male and female, and sin broke that. And because of that and who we are, we've broken that yeah. by how we've identified masculinity and yes. femininity. Yes. And we have said when we read the words God created male and female, we've read into those words yes. our individual understanding of God yes. made masculine and feminine. And that is not true. No. Not masculine and feminine the way he sees it, but not the way we see yes. it, right? And so there's even pressure on oh. what it means to be these things. And I think at some level, we've probably even all experienced some of that pressure, right? You're, oh. you're not masculine and I know you're not masculine whatever enough, that definition whatever is. that is. I mean, I, I like, I've felt that in my life, you know, yep. you're not masculine enough as yep. if that's, you know, every man wants to wrestle a bear and go to the bathroom in the woods. And if you don't want to do that, you're not man enough. It's, yep. like, I, it's not who I am. Yes, I know that is not who you are. <laughs> But you know, it, it, it's, that is. it's our, that's where social construct comes into this, is that we've said this is what it means to be a man, as if God said that. No, no. we said that. No, yeah, I, exactly. And it's, it is trying to zoom out enough to try to understand it and go, why is this happening? Mm -hmm. And in our culture today, we don't want to talk about sin. Right. Not only, not, not the individual sin, like so the individual person right now that's struggling with their gender, Please hear this. Like, I'm not talking about your individual right, sin. Right. At the highest level, I'm talking about the collective nature of humanity and all the different ways we've botched this. Mm -hmm. And you add generation upon generation upon generation on that. It makes all kinds of things whack outside of design. Mm -hmm. But if we go back to God's original design, he wants males and females to partner together to rule over this world and reproduce. Why does this matter to us as followers of Christ? Because that's not ever been revoked by God. He's okay. never said yep. like, okay, that's not what I want you to do. Here's a new plan. There's no new right. plan. Right. It's like I put you on this planet as my image bearers to represent me as partners in every aspect of life and to reproduce and fill the world as my representatives. And we have decided we wanted it a different way. And where we are today is because of our rebellion against God's good design and all the implications of that, psychologically, physically, every way. Mm -hmm. And it's like, how do we regain that? Well, it, some of what I see happening today is not, it's an attempt mm -hmm. to solve the problem, but I don't think, I think it's making things worse. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. Mm -hmm. But I think as followers of Christ, it is a topic we all should care about. 
-hmm. greatly because if we're not bearing the image of God and we're not doing what he wants us to do, then we just make more of a mess Mm -hmm. and cause more pain and hurt to the people we love and the culture around us. Yeah, and and I think even by having the argument of or the question of is it biology or psychology, we're actually doing damage because we're trying to disintegrate yes. even more instead yeah. of actually you know how can we bring those together? What is the overlapping in yeah. my biology and my psychology? My psychology don't always agree, and 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 throw in theology too. It's like how do we actually find what oneness looks like instead of pulling them apart? Yeah. I, uh, David and says I in Psalm one thirty nine, God knit me together in my mother's womb. Yeah. He doesn't just say God knit my body. Yeah. It seems to be a oneness. Oh, my the whole composite being was made, mind, body, soul, spirit, every, what do you want to pack in there? So we actually want to drive towards oneness. Yep. And, and I think often what we've done is, to, to, to what you said, we've made it worse by we're actually pulling it apart more. My biology is this. My yeah. Psychology is this. And we're pulling it apart too because we're not including the creator in the conversation. Yeah. We're, <clears throat> we're existing as a culture and as an individuals where we've removed God from the conversation. So what he says in his design really doesn't matter, right? So I can, I can look at God's design and I can look at my feelings about God's design. Those are separate categories, right? I can feel whatever I want, Fair. Mm-hmm. but I also have a designer. Mm-hmm. And I can argue with the designer. I can not like the designer. I could disagree with the designer. But can I really change what the designer has done? Right? So this isn't – what we've done is we have all this feelings and confusion. We've removed God from the conversation completely, and we're just sitting here going, my feelings and my desires and my opinions on something can sort of trump anything. Like, really? Like, can I, can I really take my iPhone and ignore the designer mm-hmm. and try to fix what's going on broken in my iPhone without having a conversation or with the creator and the designer? I can do that for a reason, for a meaning. I can have all kinds of feelings about that. Good, bad, right, wrong, it doesn't matter. I, I'm making things worse when I remove the designer or the creator from the conversation. Mm-hmm. If I have a problem with this table and I don't bring the creator, the designer, into the conversation, I can fix it all day long, but am I ever really going to fix it? Right. So I think we're playing this game in our society today on a number of these topics where we don't want to bring God into the conversation, but as followers of Christ, I don't know how else to, to solve this mm-hmm. without where does my God come into this? Where is the, what does he say? Now we can talk about my feelings about what he says. Mm-hmm. We can have those separate conversations, but at the end of the day, is really ignoring the design going to get me anywhere? I know yeah, this I mean, is probably a bad yeah. example, but I have friends that have have been born with handicaps. Mm-hmm. Is ignoring what the designer think? Like when I listen to Psalm, Psalm 139, that God knit me together in yeah. my mother's yeah. womb, if if my friend who was born with a certain handicaps, what is how does he make sense of that without understanding his creator? Mm-hmm. Remove his creator from that? It's like, no, the, the, the pain and the problems with dealing with that handicapped or any act, you know, limitation or strength that I have without including my creator into the conversation, solve the problem with your handicap without, in, like, you can solve it with a lot of exterior things, but intrinsically, that person on the inside, how do you make sense of that without including your creator? Because I want to go, what does your God think about who you are? Mm-hmm. Does he see you as handicapped? Yeah, yeah, that's good. Right. Like, I mean, what's interesting is that we, we, I think, as Christ followers, we're trying to 
because of Christ and his death and resurrection, we're trying to get back to this relationship we see in Genesis where Adam and Eve are in God's presence and they have fellowship mm -hmm. and they're right with God. There's a sense of we're trying to get back to that, not, not by our own good works going forward, but through the death and resurrection of Christ. We're trying to come back to that where if you don't believe that that is true, in a sense, you're not trying to come back to that. You're trying to get enlightened to the other side. And so you actually see progressive thought in this area as that might get us to somewhere. And what you're saying is we don't apply that logic in any other way. We, if something is not working, we go back to its creator because everything has a creator. We would acknowledge that with this table, your iPhone, you just gave a bunch of references. And we would go back to that and say, how do we restore what this was intended to be? Yeah, and I guess to that point, it's like if someone wants to have a conversation that we literally don't have a creator mm -hmm. and this conversation has nothing to do with a creator, mm -hmm. okay, at least now we know that. True. But if we're trying, if, if there's any Christ follower out there or any person who's not completely agnostic or atheistic, to me, it's a different conversation. Like, But because as followers of Christ who open our Bibles and take Genesis 1 seriously, mm -hmm. Male and female gender is really important. So what about the person who says, um, God, we are made in the image of God. We're commanded to be like God. Mm -hmm. What about the person who says God transcends gender? The empty yes. If we are made in his image, do we also at some level transcend gender? And how does that apply to this conversation? Um, if he said that, then that's fine. But he didn't. He said, I made you male and female. That's good. Yeah. Right? So it's like there is, again, I, I can disagree with that. I can have feelings about that. I can struggle with that. Blah, 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 blah. The point is, this is what he said. I made you male and female. So I know, again, that small percentage of people, that, and that's, it's a, still real people right now that are it, listening. They matter. Yeah. But at the end of the day, for the vast majority, like so, so many people, this is a male-female conversation, and he made us male and female. Yeah. So yeah, did he make an who, accident? Anyone who doesn't fall into those categories, you, you or I would sit down with that person and go, let's go through God's Word yeah. and figure this out together, yes. right? So it's like we care. Yes. Yeah. But even in our audience, the tiny little audience we have, you know, the chance of somebody that's watching this that actually is in that percentage is almost statistically impossible. Right. So the vast majority of, like, statistically, every person that's watching this right now yeah. is not in that category, right? right? And it's like, this is an issue of, he made me a male. I can like that. I cannot like that. There's all kinds of brokenness in my family line. Mm -hmm. There's all kinds of ways I could be confused about that, could struggle with that wonder why, wait, like I like to cook and clean. Does that really make me a male? I've struggled with that because I think some ways I, <laughs> it's like I like to cook and clean more than a, a lot of people might. So does that make me not male? I can wrestle with all of that and still go back to God knit me together in my mother's womb as a male. Mm -hmm. I can like that or not like that. Yeah. I can agree with it or not agree with it, but I can't change that. Is that? That's good. Yeah. I mean, that probably so, sounds incredibly in, insensitive, but it's like to our culture and theology, it's just true. Right. Well, there's a lot of things about yourself that you can't change. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So let's, let's talk like some practical stuff where this intersects with current culture and 
I, I, I framed it as why are Christians so worried about this or, or giving so much attention to this? There are a few things that are happening in culture that are particularly like loud, you know, and Christians, either the issue or Christians become, you know, some days it feels like somebody's banging a cowbell next to your ear, just loud and crazy and almost annoying. But some of this stuff people are really worked up about. So let's get into a few things, you know, like, for example, where should Christians intersect with pronouns? And as people um, that you work with, your neighbors, people you interact with, like, they, they appear to you, it seems clear that they are one sex, but they want to be represented by pronouns of a different sex. Mm-hmm. Like, how should Christians engage that? Should we, if you said to me, I, I want you to use she and her about me, like, am I, is the loving thing for me to do that? Or, mm-hmm. and so much of it is relationship dependent, I know, but right. But I like, mean, let's just say people that you're, I, you're a, working with, you're going yeah. to school with. You're, I mean, I, 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 as I've intersected with this and I've intersected with a broad section of our community and culture, and it's like, I think there's case by case situations where it just depends on the situation. It's so easy and everybody wants the formula yeah. of how to handle this. I just don't know. I think when it comes to me, it's like if when an organization tells me I have to use certain pronouns, this is super practical because I think yep. in corporate culture and in educational yes, settings, especially, lots of our people are, people watching. are watching this and yep. going, our corporate culture or our educational setting are requiring us to do pronouns. I mean, you have to make an individual decision about that. And I could, I could see a Christ follower doing it, and I could see a Christ follower not doing it. It's so easy for everybody to go, well, what do they tell us what to do? It's like, I don't know. Because at the end of the day, some people are going to lose their jobs yeah. over this. Right. Right? And it's like, so there's a part of me that goes, some of it is too low level, and it's just you're just adding to the confusion. Why would you even get involved in this? Just whatever. Like in your corporate setting, do whatever. Who cares? Make it a non-issue. Or don't do it and whatever and make it a non-issue. I, I don't know, but I, I think that at the practical level, it's like, what way am I adding to the noise? And what way am I, I, I guess that's how I would frame it. If I'm, if I'm adding to the noise, is that helping anyone? So there could be a time where a Christ follower says, whatever, corporate culture, I'm fine, you know, my whatever. But I could also see that's adding to the noise by even agreeing to it. Right. Right. And it's like it does take a collective group of people to stand up and go, this is a not issue. Why are we doing this? So I don't know. I'm not answering the question. Yeah. I think at the individual level, I've interacted with people that are changing their literal names. Yep. On one level, that's not what, unless I'm in a close personal relationship, mm-hmm. but some random person comes up to me. And biologically, they look like X, but they wanted to be called Y. And I have no, like, what does it matter? It's not, unless you're deeply intrinsically involved with this person Mm -hmm. and you have a mentoring role or a discipleship opportunity where you're their clinical caregiver or a family member, Mm -hmm. why are you having this conversation? Call somebody whatever the heck they, like, I really don't want you to call me Joe anymore. I want you to call me Joseph. Right. What is it? Yeah. What does that matter? matter? That's not, unless... I'm in a close personal relationship. I'm not going to mm-hmm. add to the noise by resisting that. It's, that's a person that I'm talking to, and they're asking me to call them something. I, I don't know them. I okay. don't care, right, like on one level. Yeah. But I know that there's ways. I'm, I'm constantly asking myself, Joe, how are you adding to the noise mm-hmm. or 
clearing the noise? Is there a way to contribute to this conversation proactively that's helping, or are you hindering it by how you act? And what does love require of me at every intersection? So that, that, that whole noise thing for me is like, how can I lovingly help? How can I lovingly help? I mean, I how think, can I lovingly I think help? there's ways that even having this conversation, we're adding to the noise. And I don't want to do that. And yet no one's talking about it the way we're sitting here talking about yep. it right now, right? We're trying to bring biblical truth and some level of common sense. So when I see someone who is changing their gender and it's allowing them to compete against another gender, yep. like... Shouldn't someone say, well, could we talk common sense for just a moment mm -hmm. now? I'm not trying to hurt anybody. Yep. I'm not trying to tell yep. you. Some of this is between you and your maker. And yet it's spilling yep. out on other people and it's affecting them. Yes. It's like and someone I, has to say common sense here. Yep. And what's interesting about that part of the conversation that's very bothersome to me, it just seems like, again, that issue, especially, it, it seems like it's more pronounced with males competing in female zones, right. where there's been so much incredible progress That's right. for our females to have equity. That's right. And so many, to me, I, I, don't, I, I just don't understand how a biological male can compete with biological females. And I, do, I just don't see this as an equity. It, like, how can you not see this as inequity, an inequitable thing? So I don't get that. I also think pressing back into practical, hard stuff. Why, why at any age, in any school setting, are we having conversations about gender? Mm -hmm. Right? So until, until our academics, and I love our teaching community, our academic community, until our teachers and academics are fulfilling their main purpose, which is educate our kids and teach them ABCs mm -hmm. and reading and writing. If we were knocking that out of the park in every district around the country, yeah. then maybe we could even have this conversation. But when I see the test scores in our local communities and I see ways kids are falling through the cracks educationally, I don't even understand why, from a purpose standpoint of our school systems, mm -hmm. why there's any conversations about this. Yeah. And so educationally, I don't understand that. And then secondarily, at the age that kids are and all the way through high school, so much is changing. Why are we, why would we ever yeah. influence these kinds of things with children? Why gender is even a conversation with children mm -hmm. and into adolescence? There's so much hormonally going on and yeah. there's so much confusion, confusion going on that it's like, why the, Why would our educational systems intersect with any of this? Right. This is the responsibility of homes, parents, counselors, and religious communities. Yeah. This is our educational system moving into stuff that's out of bounds. And like you said, every young person ha has some questions about yes. just because of physiologically what's going on in their Absolutely. body. Absolutely. And so families yeah. and therapists and religious communities can wade into these topics. Our educational systems are way out of bounds. Again, Knock it out of the park with the ABCs and test scores, and maybe then we could have a conversation. But just a Joe Average practical person, like, gosh, guys, stay in your lane. At the end of the day, you're talking about things that are not yours to talk about. I mean, I could also argue, yes, I could also argue that in all these areas, if it's education, higher education, especially on, on university campus and stuff, you know, there are there are people that are feeling overwhelmed by the cultural sort of wave. My, 
I mean, part of my answer is then Christians should go and work in these settings and bring the light of the yeah. gospel into yep. these settings, right? Absolutely. So it's like you don't like that you're the only conservative uh, thinker or, or Christian sort of thinker on your college campus and you're a professor there then get more Christians to come and work there and bring the light of Jesus yeah. Christ. And I don't mean conservative politically. No, I mean, I mean in just this, theologically, like yeah. in some ways, someone who holds the standards of the scriptures at a right. high value, right. which includes equity, right? Like equity is not, it's a, <laughs> yes. it's a Bible issue. Yes. I care about people, to, every person that's listening to this who's struggling in every different category and may be confused in their biology and their psychology and there's disintegration and problems and all that. Every one of these people, me and you, we all should be treated with equity. Right. Because this is Bible. God's justice is the most important, right? This isn't an issue of justice. This is an issue of, okay, practically and design, what do we do? How do we get out of this confusion? Confusion, And certainly empowering our educators in elementary school to discuss gender with kids, that's just plain whack. Right. That, that's not what you send your kids to school for. You, I want them to learn their ABCs. Right. Send them home to talk about other things. This isn't a part. This is educators, I believe, who are just going out of their lane. And I and I think the vast majority of Americans believe that, mm -hmm. but it, the culture is saying something different, and it feels like they're driving an agenda. A question is why? Why would? What is the value of undermining gender? Well, it's the same as it's the same as undermining the language around this. Is eventually you're undermining truth, right? Well, so, is, it, is, there so an, is there a reason why there there seems to be a crescendoing or a, this well, build towards fluidity and everything? See, I would argue that is the nature of our humanity that we want to disconnect from yeah. any sense of truth, yeah. and this is just the next level of that. I agree. It's happened in as a humanity, as a as a sort of humankind. We're trying to untether from any sort of anchor to God and truth and an objective reality. This is just the next frontier of it. Yeah. But it's a really scary frontier. So maybe just one more one more question then. So we got a bunch of parents that are watching us that have kids in schools and their kids are coming home and telling them things that like you and I didn't have to deal mm -hmm. with this stuff when we were in grade school. And I don't mean deal with this stuff in a in a condescending way. I don't mean it that way. It's just like this wasn't even on our radar. Yes. It was a pressure we didn't even it, have to no, be around, exactly, right? No. So it's like parents are trying to coach their kids, they're trying to encourage their kids, and you have these really loud voices, you're trying to understand what's really going on in the school, and then you're hearing on national level these loud voices, and you're going, my kid, is my daughter going to be in the restroom, and a boy's coming? Locker I have room? a daughter. Like, yeah. I think about this stuff, honestly. Absolutely. Like, how do we encourage me? What do we yeah. even I mean, do? I think the problem is, it seems like everything's polarized, right? So you have one yes. side that's screaming, let everything be fluid, and don't hurt the individual who is yeah. struggling with confusion. It's like at, at elementary school and middle school and high school levels, they're not struggling. Every one of them is struggling with identity. Yeah. They're confused over their identity. What teenager and middle school student isn't confused over their identity? Every single one. And so we have, we have a group of people over here that are saying, let identity figure itself out and let it be as fluid as it wants to be and do whatever you want with it. And then we have this side that's saying, that's not God's way, and you slam down on the person who's struggling. Right. 
And it's like, that's neither of those are the answer. Right. The answer is actually in the middle where it's okay at the individual level to be confused. I can lovingly, patiently work you through. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Let's lovingly talk about it. And as we lovely, lovingly talk about it, not smash people on both sides, as we lovingly discuss whatever we need to discuss, how do we land on truth? And that is in the hands of a creator. Right, so I think the parents that are working through this with their kids, I mean, I am, I'm working through this with my kids, you are, it's like we, we have to be both loving and truthful. Both can coexist in the same place, but it seems like there are people that are wanna be all truth yeah. or people that wanna be all just fuzzy. Right. It's like, no, that's not gonna get us out of this mess. Mm -hmm. So as we work through with our kids and uh, you know people that we love, how do we both grace and truth? Try to understand someone's individual circumstance and land on the truth. And that might mean some hard decisions. And I do think, even based on some of the stuff I've said today, I do think we need people to go to their school boards and say, enough is enough right. on some of this. Right. right. I'm all for someone who's struggling having the right room to get changed in. But the one person or the five people can't outnumber the thousands. Right. So create the environment for that one person who's struggling to, to go into a locker room or into a bathroom. There's no problem with that. I'm all for that yeah, individual getting that kind of love and support. But to put hundreds of kids and high school students in a position of awkward and difficult, which is just not true, like you, you have, yeah. So I think it's love, it's grace, it's truth, it's understanding. And right now, I think it's going to take some time for us to get out of this situation because we haven't been. As followers of Christ, we've been much more truthful on this issue and less gracious. I was just going to ask, do you think that's true? I think. And, or I wonder if the loudest voices have been all truth, but there is a growing, a millions and millions and millions of people that are just trying to follow the Lord that have maybe been a lot of grace and at some point have to take the body of Christ together and say, we've got to talk some common sense here. Yeah. I mean, I think on this issue, common sense is right. And it doesn't mean that there's not people that are struggling with this, but a sort of broad brush stroke of how we fix this is not the answer. Yeah. So I, I do think maybe we've become a tipping point, but because of things the church has done in the past, I think we're really loud on certain topics, and even some people now like, are super loud on it with zero grace that people are struggling. And the people that are struggling in the culture that are even really far on this topic that are just want complete fluidity, it's like they're a product of years and years and years of something, mm -hmm. right? So be gracious and understand that. And not one person that I want to talk to on this subject do I want to yell at. No, no. I want to weep with people. Right. I want to be gracious with people, try to understand why they feel what they feel. Right. I'm not screaming at people. I'm not right. shouting someone down at a school board. I'm not yelling at a principal. Like, right. why would you ever do that? But I do have to speak up at times. Right. I think it's interesting that you said there's been a lot of voices that are all truth. I, you're right. There are a few select voices that are all truth and that just hit you over the head, right? But I think the church at large has been really quiet on this. Well, I think what happened... This is way too detailed, but I think what happened is we all know that we, no, many of us in the church realize how poorly we've handled the sexuality Absolutely. issue. Absolutely. And so as sexuality has moved through our culture and the changes that have happened since 1970, mm -hmm. 
we've realized ways we've been way too truthful and not gracious enough. I totally agree. So that when the transgender conversation applies, I think a lot of Christians are at a point where they're like, we already, we have nothing we can contribute to this. We know we botched this, so yeah. we're just silent. And I think our culture has taken advantage of that. And so now a movement is underfoot where people want to be both gracious and truthful and just downright common just sense. Just common sense. About this. Right. Again, not denying that there's kids and adults that deal with this and need to be cared for and loved and served, and there should be equity. But the equity of one can't trump the equity of all. Like, it just doesn't work that way. You can't say, well, this is good for one person, so we ignore thousands of other people. Like, that doesn't, that's not fair. That's not equity, Mm -hmm. right? So it's like, okay, I'm all for giving someone a locker room. Mm -hmm. One of my great concerns on the topic is the suicide rate that's taking place in the transgender community. Yeah, we didn't get to that. Right? And it's like someone goes through transition and they find it doesn't solve their problems. They still feel misidentified. And because they feel misidentified and they're still struggling, now they've gone through a transition. They've done all the work, all the every part of that transition, and then they get to the other side of it and they're two and five years in and mm-hmm. they still feel the same mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. And then how do they go backwards? So they just out themselves. Right. I mean, and 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 as to be a part of a society where that's okay, instead of identifying correctly and it's what's a significant going on, percentage. It it it, it just breaks my off. heart because yeah. we're solving the problem without including the creator. Yeah. Right. And so I have a category for this being a legitimate struggle. That just the way we're trying to solve it and help it is not the way our culture, the way our culture is trying to solve it is not working. Mm-hmm. And if we don't address it with our creator, a part of the conversation, we'll just band-aid it. And so the transgender person out there who's struggling with gender confusion and thinks there's one easy way to fix this, and then they follow what our culture is saying to fix it, and they find themselves in the same mess, and then they are despair of life and they kill themselves? and they miss their creator the entire time. Mm -hmm. This is not the way to solve that problem. All right, that was a lot. Long conversation, hard conversation, but we care. Yeah, we love people and we know we can love the Bible and people. And we probably said something stupid somewhere in there, but we're just doing our best. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. cool. Thanks for hanging out with us. See you next time on Real Talk. 